I want to invite you to turn with me this morning to Mark chapter 4 as we continue looking at the go aspect of our church strategy. We have uh, already looked at gather. We've already looked at grow. If you missed those two aspects of our gather, grow, and go, go back to our Facebook page and go back to January. You can catch up. Go back to our, uh, go to our website, the podcast section or whatever, and you can uh, catch up. Two weeks ago, we looked at Go Make a Difference, and we talked about what it means to be salt and light in this world. We are called and commanded to add seasoning and flavoring to a world that's decaying, a world that needs help. We are, we're called to, to shine our light into a world that's wandering in, in spiritual darkness and needs us to point them to Jesus. Last week, we looked at Go Share Jesus, and we examined how God used an ordinary Laban named Philip, a a deacon who was willing to share to impact the Ethiopian official and others as as, uh, Philip traveled from place to place, as persecution forced believers out of Jerusalem and they took the gospel with them and they scattered and proclaimed Jesus. We learned that there is a time to do good deeds. That's always, isn't it? Let your your light so shine before men they see your good works. Before men they see your good works. But there's also a time to open our mouths and share a verbal witness. The two actually go together. So today we're looking at the parable of the soils in Mark 4 as we think about go, sow, seeds. Now think about God's providence. This is just the way things progressed on the day that we're featuring the Gideons and their ministry and Bible distribution and how they plant the Word of God in different places. And we're thinking about, in terms of our strategy, go, sow, seeds. So I didn't plan this, okay? This is just uh, how it came together. Thank you, Lord. Chapter 4, verse 1. And again, he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some seed fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. Now let's pick it up in verse 13. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the seeds, sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the world's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. 
But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Let's think this morning about go, sow, seeds. First of all, remember the power of the gospel. Remember the power of the gospel. This parable deals with the sower, the seed, and four types of soils. The sower is the person who intentionally plants seeds in the lives of lost people, deliberately spreads the Word of God. This could be a missionary, a teacher, a preacher, or a believer, just like you and me. The seed represents the Word of God. Are you one who sows the seed of the Word of God? One of our men told me last Sunday about his son-in-law who has really grown in the Lord. Early every morning, he texts a scripture verse to each of his three sons. One of the sons, in turn, forwards the scripture verse to the man that he works with every morning. One morning, Frank was running behind for whatever reason. He didn't get his, his uh, scripture sent. And the men at work later in the morning sought out their co-worker and said, We didn't get our scripture today. Is your dad doing okay? They'd been counting on getting these scriptures. They looked forward to getting this scripture to start their day, and they wondered what had happened. That's one way to sow a seed. In the context of our command to, to go share Jesus, the seed I'm talking about represents the gospel. These scriptures in God's word, these truths that uh, share how to be saved. For the gospel to be the gospel, certain truths must be shared. Certain truths must be presented. Did you know that there is a God in heaven who loves you and who wants to have a personal relationship with you? You may want to write these down and review them. You know them, but just write them down. John 3.16. God has a purpose for your life. We have a problem. Our sin separates us from God. Romans 3.23 God provided Jesus as the sacrifice and the solution to our sin problem. Romans 5.8 Jesus died for our sin. We must repent of our sin. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 we can be saved if we turn from our sin and receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. John chapter 1, verse 12. We must invite Jesus into our lives to be our Savior. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then we must be prepared to help them call upon the name of the Lord. These truths must be Presented, These gospel truths must be sown into the hearts and lives of people who need Jesus. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel transforms our lives. Everything changes for the better when we come to Jesus, when we are saved, when we receive Him as our Savior. Recently, former UGA Bulldog great David Pollock was interviewed in a worship service at First Baptist Church Alpharetta just a few weeks ago. He shared, I did not grow up believing in God. My parents, my brother, and I never went to church, not one time, so I never heard much about God. But as a junior in high school, listen to this, I was invited to a church lock-in. You guys remember lock-ins? Those were the days. 
Staying up all night and playing games sounded like something I would enjoy, so I went. Remember, he's speaking as a student, not as a, cha- a chaperone. Playing up, uh, staying up all night was something I would enjoy, so I went. That was the, f- listen to this, that was the first time I heard about Jesus. And the first time I heard the gospel. The first time a gospel seed was planted in my heart, he said. As his junior year was coming to a close, Pollock's English teacher asked each student to select 200 pages of Scripture, 200 pages of outside reading material to study during the summer, and Pollock selected the Bible. His physics teacher, who was a devout Christian, suggested that he read through the four Gospels as his 200 pages of outside reading. The football star began reading and recalled, God's Word began to jump off the pages. It completely changed my life. I was saved and began my Christian journey. That's the power of Scripture. That's the power of the Gospel. That's, that's the power of the seeds that we sow. Keep sowing seeds of God's Word. And not only that, second, realize the condition of people without Jesus. Realize the spiritual condition of those who are apart from Jesus. People without salvation are lost and they are doomed to hell. Do we believe that? Do we care about people who are lost without Jesus? One of the biggest problems in church life is we were all so busy, so distracted, so uh, preoccupied, maybe so internally focused. We have all the pe- we, we know all the people we want to know. We have all the friends that we want to have. We, we don't make the effort, generally speaking, to invite lost and unchurched people to come hear the gospel or to come hear the word preached. Or maybe, maybe we don't know any lost people because our circuit, circle is so tight. Are we building relationships with those that we feel like may be lost and do not know the Lord Jesus Christ? Inviting them and bringing them to hear God's word proclaimed, to hear the gospel presented is one way we can strategically plant seeds of the gospel, seeds of the Word of God in their lives. Gospel seed, spiritual truth planted in their lives. In Jesus' parable, He outlined four types of soil which represent four kinds of hearts that we're trying to reach. In Palestine, the farmer would sow before he would plow. He might load bags of seed on the back of the donkey, cut holes in the bags, and and let the seeds spill out onto the ground as the donkey walked over the ground. Or he might simply take handfuls of seed in his hands and just kind of broadcast as he went, scattering the seed as he he went. And the seed would fall on, on different types of soil. Some fell along the wayside or on the side of the road. Farmers would leave paths for travelers to walk through their fields, and these pathways would become well-worn and and hardened, so birds would have easy food from the seed that fell there because they wouldn't necessarily work their way into the ground. Some fell on stony ground. The word some means other seed of the same kind. The problem was not with the seed. The seed had the potential of, of bearing fruit. The problem was with the ground. The soil. In some places, rock was covered only by a thin layer of soil, and, and the seed would, would germinate in the warm soil of springtime immediately. But when, they, when the days got hotter, the seed had no moisture deep down, and so it would, it would perish, it would dry up. 
And then some fell among thorns, thorny ground. The seed would fall on ground already covered by weeds and the thorns that already dominated the moisture of the soil. There's only so much moisture to go around and the seeds would not get the moisture they needed. They were choked or they were stunted by wild plants. But some fell on good ground that was ready to receive the seeds. And it produced a good crop, a a bountiful crop. So the disciples said they're listening to this and they were scratching their heads and they were like, what does this mean? You're going to have to explain this to us, Jesus. And so he did. Jesus explains the parable in in 13 and following, verses 13 and following. Some people, he says, are are hard-hearted. And God's word falls on them like seed falling on on a hard path. The seed just sits there. And Satan comes along and, and snatches that seed up off the ground before it can even have a chance to make a difference in someone's life. There are people who have no interest in spiritual things. We know that. And they're not open to hearing about the gospel. But that does not lessen our responsibility to sow the seed. What do we do with these folks? We pray for them. God's Holy Spirit can dig away the hardness of their hearts and the hardness of the soil until one day suddenly there, there is a crack. Suddenly one day there is an openness that wasn't there before because you invested in them through prayer that God's Holy Spirit would work through the hardness of their hearts. Then there are those whose hearts are shallow. When the seed begins to work and grow, it cannot take root because there is no depth. They endure only for a time. That doesn't mean that they lose their salvation. That's not what he's saying. But it means that they are fair-weather followers of Jesus. They're not committed. When tough times come, they have no depth, and they fall away. They don't stick with Him. Their hearts are shallow. But not only that, some hearts are preoccupied. Some hearts are preoccupied. They hear the Word and they receive it into their hearts, but they never make spiritual progress. They they are in a holding pattern spiritually because they are more focused on the cares of this world than they are focused on Jesus. The problem with this type of soil is that even though they hear the Word and receive it into their hearts, these people bear no fruit and there is no spiritual growth. Or... This soil is also described as divided. Divided. Look at verse 19 of chapter 4. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. All of these things choke out the effectiveness of the word of God. The word of God cannot take root in our hearts because our focus is divided, our hearts are divided. Now understand, we never know when someone is ripe and ready to receive Jesus. We have to assume, because the Bible says so, that that the Holy Spirit is working in people's lives. God is working around us all the time. And He's working in people's hearts. And we never know when someone is ripe and ready. Some of these seeds are going to stick. And they're going to take root. And eventually, as we are faithful to, to, to sow and plant and water, some of these are going to bear fruit eventually. 
My friend Craig Bowers, you've heard of me speak, you've heard me speak of him before. He went to Brazil with us a couple of years on the mission trip to Brazil. He's a pastor in Columbus. He was telling me about a lady in his church named Dot Mulgrew, who died earlier this year. Each year, as long as Craig can remember, Dot always brought her grandson and her granddaughter to church with her on Easter Sunday morning. Her grandson and her granddaughter either were picked up and brought if they, when they were too young to drive, or they drove from Noonan to Columbus to spend Easter with their grandmother. And part of that was going to church. This year, in honor of their grandmother, who had gone on to be with the Lord before Easter Sunday, the grandson and the granddaughter traveled to Winbrook Baptist Church in Columbus from Noonan, sat there where they usually sit, went through the whole service thinking about their grandmother, missing their grandmother. When Craig gave the invitation... The grandson made a beeline down the aisle, straight to Craig, weeping. Craig said, tell me why you came. And the man said, I want to be saved. Craig prayed with the man before handing him off for counseling. And when he opened his eyes and looked up, there's the granddaughter. Right behind the grandson. She also weeping, wanting to be saved. Now think about the number of years this grandmother brought her grandchildren to church on Easter Sunday. Think about the number of times that they heard the gospel at least once a year on Easter Sunday. Think about the number of prayers that grandmother must have prayed for her grandson and her granddaughter. Dot Mulgrew spent her her first Easter in heaven. But she saw an answer to her prayer. And she saw the impact that that seed planting can, can have in the lives of her grandchildren who gave their hearts, finally gave their hearts, to Jesus. This was one concerned grandmother, wasn't it? How concerned are we? How concerned are we? Is our heart broken for lost people? Do we have a burden for the spiritual condition of people? Leonard Ravenhill was a very effective evangelist of another generation not too many years ago. He wrote an article for Billy Graham's Decision Magazine in the 1970s, and the name of his article was, Who Weeps Anymore? He wrote, the problem with Christians in America is we're not concerned over lost people. We're not concerned enough to cry. A man and a woman will weep when their little pet gets run over in the street in front of their house, but the same couple has never wept one tear because the neighbor across the street is lost without Jesus. Something is wrong. A woman will cry when her daughter walks down the aisle of a church to be married, but that same mother has never shed one tear because that same daughter has never been saved. Something's wrong, he wrote. When was the last time we shed a tear for a lost person? The great British preacher Charles Spurgeon said, Winners of souls must first be weepers of souls. Ask God, to break our heart for the lost. Ask God specifically in your prayer to to give you a burden for the lost. Third, recognize that faithful sowing brings God's increase. Faithful sowing brings God's increase. When we are faithful to sow... We may not see immediate results, even though we want to. Sometimes that frustrates us. But we know when seeds are planted, some will bear fruit in time. 
I read about an archaeologist digging in an ancient Egyptian tomb and he found a bowl of seeds, check this out, over 3,000 years old. A bowl of seeds. When some were planted, they sprouted and they grew. That's the power of a seed. And God's Word has that kind of enduring power. So keep sowing the Word of God. For the seed has the power to change lives. Remember what Isaiah 55, 11 says, My Word will not return void. Listen, teachers, do you faithfully prepare and do the very best job you can Sunday in and Sunday out to teach God's Word? Do you wonder if your effort's making any difference? Listen, God's Word will not return void, so keep sowing the seeds. Listen, children's workers and and student ministry leaders, do you wonder if your boys and girls and students are learning and growing? They are catching more than you think. And the seed you're sowing will take root one day and will bear fruit one day. Keep sowing the seeds. Do you have family members who uh, have yet to receive Jesus? Your Christ-like example, your prayers, your enthusiasm for the Lord, your enthusiasm for the church will touch these family members more than you realize. The Scriptures you share do make an impact because God's Word is powerful and My Word will not return void. So keep sowing the seeds. What is the result of sowing the seeds faithfully with dedication? Some take hold and people come to Christ. Dr. Sasha Vakelja, a member of Green Acres Baptist Church in Tyler, Texas, wrote a book about her life entitled Seeds. She titled her book Seeds. Dr. V was born in Yugoslavia under communistic rule. Because her mother was an outspoken anti-communist, she grew up very poor. Sasha did. She grew up in poverty. She moved from place to place. Her journey included time in a refugee camp. She even spent a brief time as a child in prison. Today, she's one of the most respected oncologists in America. And she's passionate about her faith. She's passionate about the the, uh, practice of medicine. She wrote, One day, a patient came to tell me he was stopping further treatments for his cancer. Usually, patients just call to tell me that, but he insisted on coming to see me in person. When I walked into the room, he said, I know I'm dying, but I'm worried about my doctor. I raised my eyebrows, she wrote, surprised at his candor. You're worried about me? You're dying? And you're worried about me? Why is that? And he looked me straight in the eye. He looked me square in the eye, she wrote. He says, I know where I'm going But I can't leave just yet because I'm not sure where my doctor's going. Where was I going, she wrote. I could not forget this question and his genuine concern for me that day. More and more, I seemed to keep running into people like him who lived with purpose and peace despite the news that they had cancer. It reminded me that It reminded me of finding wildflowers in the spring that you never knew were there. You didn't plant them, but these unexpected backyard discoveries discoveries are, are beautiful in their own way. And I realized this was a picture of the spiritual dimension of my life. All the people and experiences from my past had planted a tiny seed in me along the way. 
The seeds that I thought were scattered rather haphazardly had come together, had taken root, had flourished underground. And one day, they expectedly, unexpectedly, and mysteriously took on a life of their own and came to the surface where I could see them, really see them, for the very first time. Today, this respected oncologist is a very devoted follower of Jesus. We will never know until we reach heaven how God has used your seeds that you have faithfully sowed. Keep sowing seeds. Keep planting seeds of God's Word. Keep planting seeds of the Gospel. And remember, each of us has a very strategic part to play. God wants to use each of us. Some sow seeds of the Gospel. Others water seeds previously planted. And even others reap where people have already sowed and watered. You remember what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. We're responsible for sowing and planting. God's responsible for the results. So keep sowing the seeds. I hope that you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior because that's life's most important decision. The most important thing you can do this morning It's not just to sit through this sermon and listen politely. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to receive Him today. Call upon His name. Invite Him to come into your life to forgive you of your sins, to give you eternal life. If you have questions about that, if you're ready to make that decision, let me help you with that today. If you'll hang around for just a moment and meet me at the back door back there in just a few minutes, I would love to talk to you about how to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. If you're online, reach out to me at this email address. And give me the privilege this week of meeting with you and helping you make this decision, life's most important decision, to receive Jesus. Maybe you've accepted Christ, but you have not yet followed through in baptism. The next step to show Jesus you're serious about following Him. Or maybe you have questions about how to join this church family. You're saved, you're baptized, your membership's elsewhere, God's brought you here. And God wants you to plug into this body, to serve Him through this body, to help strengthen this body and to be a part of this family of God. Will you pray about that decision? Father, we thank you so much for the power of the Word of God. And we pray, dear God, today that many people will come to know Christ as Savior. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to share. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to to sow. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to go in your name. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.